Now, over the last few weeks, I've been preaching. I've been preaching on a number. Anybody remember what that number is? Three. So last few weeks I've been preaching and and uh, sort of on a number. Last week my message was about the importance of the number of three and the principle of number three in Scripture. And I, I'm going to remain with uh, I'm going to remain with that thought here today. And uh, as we remain with that thought, uh, we're, I want us to think about the uh, the number of three going forward in this morning's service, but we're going to think about it in a little bit different way. Recently, I ran across a series of children's instructional videos. Don't ask me why I was watching children's videos, okay? You know, you know, it's just where I am in life. I still like to watch cartoons. Anybody in this room with me? I, 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 I still, now listen, let me tell y'all, you, you younger ones, y'all don't know any good cartoons. Until you have seen Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Until you have watched Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. And despite popular belief, Elmer Fudd, Elmer Fudd never, never, never create, uh, never, never created or, or, uh, a mass crime never heard happen with Elmer Fudd's gun, okay? But until you've watched Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner and, and Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse, and, and until you've watched, you've never watched cartoons, you younger people. I want to tell you, go back, get, uh, get, get some of these channels that go back and show you the old ones. The old ones were, were great. I still love watching them. But I, I was watching some children's instructional videos and I ran across one. It said videos by Zern. I guess Zern was the guy in the video. I don't even know who Zern was. But Zern was teaching multiplication tables. Now, you know, when I was in school, and that's been a couple years ago, but when I was in the schools, we had flashcards. Y'all remember flashcards? We used to use flashcards in Sunday school classes, didn't we? And they would use flashcards to teach you the multiplication table. That was back in the days when we couldn't use ink pens or calculators in school. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. They used, and they, they used cards to teach the multiplication. But Zern didn't use flashcards. Zern was, it was hip hop and he was dancing and he was doing this and he was doing this and, and, and Zern was doing all these different motions to teach multiplication. And I was watching him do different ones. I watched him do the fives and he was doing, uh, one times five is five and two times five is ten and three times five is fifteen and he, he did the sixes and he did the sevens and he also did the threes. And when he came on with these threes videos, he says, alright boys and girls, we're rolling through the threes and he does his dance and he's got his hip hop song going and it's three times one is three and three times two is six and three times three is twenty seven. Y'all can't, you know, I'm just trying to make y'all say it. Now, he didn't do that. He did it right. Three times three. And he went on through the threes and he goes all the way up to three times ten is thirty. And this morning we're going to roll through some more threes, but, uh, I'm not going to do the hip hop like Zern and, uh, I'm not, and sing you the little jingle with it. But I do want to teach you about, uh, 
rolling through the threes. We're continuing on in the book of Joshua and we're in Joshua chapter four. And as we get to Joshua chapter four, if you remember from last week, last week was the, uh, was the time, the occurrence that Joshua says to the children of Israel, the, the Jews, if you would, he said, I want you to keep your eyes on the ark. Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, not the Ark, not Noah's Ark, but the Ark of the Covenant. And when the priests step into the swollen river of Jordan, the flood of Jordan, with the Ark of the Covenant, I want you all to be prepared to go forward and to follow. When they stepped into the to the flooded Jordan River, the Bible said that the, the, the river of Jordan backed up in a wall to the north and then it emptied itself out to the south into the Dead Sea. And those Jews crossed over on dry land. Very similar to what happened uh, when Moses led them across the Red Sea, but yet it was a little bit different. It was a new season. It was a new day that was occurring. Now, as they go across the, the Jordan River, they leave the, the, the wilderness, the desert place that they have been wandering for a generation, and as they w- go across that dry riverbed of Jordan, they enter into the land that is known as Canaan. Canaan, the promise of God. So they stepped over into the promise of God. Now, as they get into the promise of God, they find themselves in a place called Gilgal. Gilgal. Gilgal is located... In southern Israel, in once the land was known as Canaan, sometimes when you're over there, you'll still hear a reference to Canaan. But Gilgal actually means rolling or advancing or going forward. In fact, in Joshua chapter 5 verse 9, God says, I have rolled away the reproach of Israel. It, and all of that is significant to Israel's pursuit of what God had for them. Likewise, God has good gifts for us. Now we sung that song and, and, uh, that song that, that, that He chases me. But, you know, there's also a responsibility on our part to pursue the things that God has for us. So they go to Gilgal. Gilgal is rolling forward. They're rolling forward out of the, they're, they're, they're forgetting about all of the things that were behind them, but now they're going forward. You and I, as we enter into a relationship with the Lord, He has good gifts for us. He establishes that. He even names them and calls them good gifts. But we must passionately pursue Christ in order to reap the fullness of what God has for us. Now, a lot of things, he, he's gracious. He's gracious and he's merciful to us and he just blesses us. He blesses us with his salvation. But there's so, there, there is so much more that God has for us if we will only pursue him. I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Joshua chapter 4. I'm preaching a message to you this morning that I'm calling Rolling Threes. Now, if any of y'all get upset with a pitcher of dice in a hole in this church, blame my wife. We talked about that in, in life groups this morning. Blame my wife because I said, do you think that would be horrible to use a set of dice in, in my, on my overhead for the service this morning? She said, no, I don't think so. But well, I'm preaching a message called rolling threes and I'm not talking about a set of dice in particular. I just did that to, to more or less get your attention. But as we go to Joshua chapter 4, verse 14, I want you to receive the word of the Lord. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel 
And they stood in all of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in the all of Moses. Let me pause right there at the end of that verse. I want to give you a, a lesson in biblical, biblical understanding, if you would. Joshua, listen to me very closely, closely. Joshua, Joshua was not the Christ. He was not the Christ. He was not the Messiah. There's only one Messiah, and that's Jesus. But Joshua was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. In other words, and, and when you when you study, and, and I, we don't have time to go into it, but when you study uh, the end time and prophecy and the forthcoming things that are going to happen to the earth, Joshua is a player. Joshua and Jesus, which is in Hebrew, Yeshua, Joshua and Yeshua, in essence, are the same name. Okay? But Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. So when we read this, this is a type of what is going to occur in the New Testament with Jesus. So on that day, the, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in all of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in the all of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Yeshua, he said, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. They're still standing there in the middle of the Jordan. The wall, the wall of water is to the north. The creek bed, the riverbed is dry to the, to the south, even though it's been flooding. And now, and, and there, however long, this could have taken days. This could have possibly taken days. This didn't happen in 15 minutes. There were millions of Jews to cross over. The Lord said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of Jordan. The priest come up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which was the, represents the presence of God. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. That's pretty significant this morning. Pretty significant. There's three critical points that I want to preach to you this morning. But before we get to those points, I want to share just a couple of things with you. Israelites have just finished crossing on dry ground. The Jordan has immediately returned to flood stage. What happened when those waters returned to flood stage, I want you to gather prophetically what has just occurred. What has just occurred is their past has closed up behind them. Because they now have no way to get back to where they came from. You see, the one important thing that we must understand as followers of Jesus is, 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 is recognizing that the, that the past, that what is behind us, when we have repented, we have turned from where we were going and we're heading in a different direction. And now the past has closed up behind us. The desert that had been their home for a generation. Whether you realize this or not, a little bit more of, of biblical instruction. The, the, the Israelites that are, that are crossing the riverbed of Jordan, those Israelites were Israelites that were born while in the desert. The generation of Israelites that had come out of Egypt all died in the desert. 
Now, maybe that's why I can't say that I know this for a fact, but maybe it's because they, 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 they were, they were stiff-necked people according to the scripture, but just maybe God knew, maybe God knew and He realized that He, that, that He could, He could never lead them into the promises that He had in store for them. For 40 years, they wandered in the desert under the leadership of Moses, and along with Moses, that's where they died. But there was a new generation that was birthed in the desert. They didn't really know the flesh pots of Egypt. They only heard the stories about Egypt. Maybe they could see the smoke from Egypt and, and, and arising in the, in the, in the distance and, and they've heard the stories. Maybe they could even smell smells and fragrances as the, maybe the wind blew from Egypt into the desert place. But they weren't born in Egypt. They were born there in the desert. But now that river is closed and everything that was behind them is now cut off. God ordained this new camp to be established in Gilgal. Gilgal, the place that means rolling on, rolling forward, or advancing. You see, that's what God wants in our lives. That's, that's, that's why Jesus comes. Jesus, Jesus doesn't come that He can, He can just save us. Yes, He saves us while in our sin, but He also wants to save us out of our sin. He, he, he doesn't want us to get saved and remain in the desert. He doesn't want us to, to get saved and remain, uh, uh, looking over and smelling the, uh, smelling the scents, the smells, and, and maybe seeing the smoke in the horizon of Egypt and listening to the tales of our ancestors. No, no, he, he wants to take us into a new season and a new day. How many songs have we sung? That it's a new season, it's a new day. So as we go into this new season, there's three critical points that, that I want to preach to you this morning about rolling on with God. Rolling on with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The first one that we learn from these these Israelites that were birthed in the desert that now have crossed a, dry, a rolled back Jordan River and now the river has closed behind them and they're cut off from their past. There's nothing ahead of them but newness in God. <coughs> Excuse me. The first thing that we see happen is under God's direction, under His leadership, they established a memorial. A number of years ago, I preached this message here uh, and about stacking up rocks, rocks of memorial, and 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 we we had a stack of rocks for probably about a year out there in the foyer, remembering the things that God has done for us, and 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 that was there. Hopefully, that every time we walked by it, it reminded us of what God do, had done for us and what He has done for us in the past. That memorial. At Gilgal was a memorial to remind everybody of where God brought us from. God brought us from the other side of that river. We're no longer dwelling there. We, we no longer live there. It, that, that, that memorial was erected by a, a person, if you would, out of every one of the twelve tribes of Israel, which is indicative of, of every person, every person, every nation, every kindred, every tongue. God wants us to give Him honor. We should give him honor. But as believers, as we've, we've, we've passed over into a, when we, we became saved, when we give our heart and our life to Jesus, we pass over into a, a new land. 
We pass over into a new generation, if you would. We pass over into a new life. The river is closed behind us. All of that old life has passed behind us. But yet, we honor God. How do we honor God? We honor Him personally. And we all honor Him corporately. We honor Him by, by worshiping Him. And worshiping, worship, worship is a broad statement, by the way. You know, we call what we, we call that our, our, our 30 minutes on Sunday morning that we set aside for music and have everybody to stand and ask you sometimes to raise your hands, ask you to clap your hands. Alright? We, we call that worship and, and it is, it is worship, but understand this with me. When we are worshipers of God, it's not just for 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> but it's for it's for every single day. It's for every single day, even every moment of our life, that we're worshipers of God and we're blessing Him and we're praising Him. Worship can be demonstrative uh, by word of testimony if if we're not ashamed of Him. You know, in fact, the Bible says this in 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 Luke. Uh, the Gospel of Luke, he said, you know, if you are, are ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. Luke 9 and 26. You know, we should be willingly, willingly, not for a show, not to drag attention to us, but, but we ought to be people that are willing to demonstrate to, to demonstratively worship the Lord, to verbally say God is good, to worshipfully say Jesus has saved me, to say that God is blessing me and He's ministering to me. And we can do that by telling our story. Y'all know by now, one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite songs of all time is that old hymn that says, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. But my favorite part is when it comes to that part that says, And this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. You see, that's all God's called us in. That's all we need to do to worship Him. That's all we need to do is to, to, to be a, a witness of His goodness and His grace. Is tell our story. Tell our song. You know, we used to sing that song, Look what the Lord has done. You remember that in the, in the Pentecostal church? Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. Just in time. Remember? We, remember that? We used to do that stuff? Yeah. 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 That's all we've got to do. That's all God's called us to do is to share that testimony. We could listen. Oh my goodness. Pull your toes. No. No. We, we are a blessed church. We are, we are a giving church. But this still is in good measure. We can worship God with our giving. We can worship Him with our faithfulness in giving and tithing in supporting missions, supporting ministry. We can worship God in our church attendance by coming together and, and, and creating. Uh, yes, we're part of the big, big church, the body of Christ as a whole, but we're a part of the local church as well. And I'm still a believer that, that if I'm saved, I want to go to church. I want to be with God's people. We can we can worship God by keeping His instruction. In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Hello. And we can worship by serving, simply serving one another. My mentor, old brother James Bilbrey, 94 years young, 
He taught me a long time ago, some 30 or 40 years ago. James said, he said, he said, in our, he said, the only way that you can ever really serve God is by serving people. He said, because if you're not serving people, he said, you're doing nothing. So, so there's many ways that we can worship God. The second critical point of rolling ahead with God is being prepared for warfare. And you study this fourth chapter of Joshua, we see this principle as well. Because if you'll, if you'll backtrack, we didn't read this scripture, but if you backtrack, if you still have your Bibles or your, your app open, if you backtrack to verses 10 and 13 of Joshua chapter 4, you find that the Bible says that now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed. Joshua, the people hurried over and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people watched, the men of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for battle. Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho and they had a reason they were going for war now we don't like to think about we know, we know wars going on on the other side of of this big planet that we live on, and our hearts are going out to the Ukrainian people, and we're we're and we're we're many many people are are just very upset with with what the Russian Russian uh, government is doing right now, and and what's happening in other countries of the world. None of us really like war, but I want you to know what God is called saying here to 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 these people as they're going into Gilgal. They're rolling. Forward has they're going into Canaan, the land of promise. Has there has there the river of Jordan has closed up behind them. There 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 there's no way of going back. He says you got to be prepared for war. You see, a lot of times in our Christian experience, you know, we uh, I, I I don't know. Sometimes it can come, I guess, from. Uh, maybe who you listen to or who you follow, but let me tell you something. I have never, I have never come to the conclusion. I have never read in the Word of God, and I've never come to this conclusion in my personal Christian life. That whereas I found out that when I got saved, it was all about tiptoe, tiptoe through the tulips. It's not a, it's not about that. I'm never gonna have a problem. I'm never gonna have a worry. I'm never gonna lack anything. I'm never, I'm never going to run out of money. I'm always gonna have a nice car, nice house, nice bass boat, nice Harley, uh, I'm, I, uh, or anything else that you could possibly like. I'm always gonna have everything. I, I never found out that following Jesus had anything to do with any of that stuff. But I do find out that when I thought, when I decided to follow Jesus, I found, I found out, and I, I'm sorry, I, I just love these old songs that stick in my mind. You know, that's, when you get 60 years old, that just becomes a problem. You know, you operate 
you know, in sentimentality and, and you think about that, those things. But, but I, I, but, but it's songs like that. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. We forget about that stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we, we are soldiers. We are, we are called for, for warfare. Listen, this is nearly one third of the people in estimation, nearly one third because we know it's two and a half tribes and we know it's 140,000 people. Nearly one third of the people that crossed over that Jordan River have been enlisted in the army and have been prepared to do battle and have even been given their weaponry. When I read Ephesians chapter 6, I find that the Apostle Paul says, got some instruction for you church at Ephesus. And that's representative of the church as the whole. He said, he said, here's what you need to do. He said, you need to take on the whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And, and, and so forth. All of the different parts of the army. And he says this, that you may be able to withstand against the wiles or the attacks of the enemy. And as unprofound as this sound, as I was praying about this message and, and I was working on it, I, I had this thought, I'll give the Lord credit. If it wasn't yours, Lord, just, just forgive me for saying this. But this thought came into my mind. Naked soldiers lose battles and die on the battlefield. Naked soldiers lose battles. They die on the battlefield. God has called us to be armed. He's called us to be prepared for war. We have entered into spiritual warfare. Paul, in fact, told young Timothy, coming up behind him, he's teaching him all that he seemingly needs to know or all that he can to prepare him for ministry. And Paul tells young Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. We've got to fight. It don't mean I'll go out here and punch somebody in the nose that this because they don't ad- agree with my doctrine or they don't agree with my faith. That's not what it's about. But we must understand that we are in spiritual warfare. Right now, if we could, if we could, if we could see what is going on in the atmosphere around us, and, and I, I think that we would be, we would be devastated. We would probably be scared teetotally to death of what is going on around us in the realm of spiritual warfare. And we are right in the middle of it, church, as followers of Jesus Christ. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus and you're not following Jesus, let me tell you something. Don't feel like that you've escaped. Don't feel like that you uh, that, that it doesn't apply to you because the spiritual warfare that's going on in this world, it, it, no one is exempt. No one and no one is put aside. But there is spiritual warfare. There, listen, 
I don't, I said this last week, I don't mean to say it again, I don't mean to be so again this week. I don't mean to sound doomsday. I don't mean to sound discouraging. I don't mean to sound destructive. But I want to tell you, I'm of the notion, I don't know for a fact, but I'm of the notion that the best days that we have ever seen as humanity on this earth are probably already behind us. I have a feeling that things are going to get worse and worse. There's going to be more wars. There's going to be more rumors of wars. Some people say there's going to be a last day awakening. Maybe there will. I hope to the Lord there is because there's people that are unsaved that need to know Jesus. I don't know that they will be. I don't know that there won't. But I know this, that we are getting closer and closer with every passing day to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know as we get closer to that day that I'm not looking for significant improvement in this world to occur. But I'm looking for the church to have to man up and square our shoulders back and to prepare ourselves to keep rolling on. And to do that, we have to honor God. And to do that, we must be prepared for warfare. Thirdly, staying on task. Staying on task. God has always intended for His glory to be demonstrated through man. Are we not created in His image? God intends for His glory to be demonstrated through man. Now, that doesn't mean that any of us take the place of God, because of course we can't do that. But yet God... God's glory is demonstrated through man, through the lives that we live, through the faith that we exercise in Him. You know, I'm of the notion, again, I'm full of notions today. I'm of the notion, you know, God, God could, He could be that God, and He is that God that supplies all of our needs according to His riches, but He also has a will and a plan for us in our lives, and He also has a greater will and a plan for His kingdom. Do you know what? God will get greater glory through us suffering and being faithful than He would through us being healed every time we need a healing. Do you know what? God, God would, God would receive greater glory through us not starving to death when we don't have a penny in the bank and we can't get a job, which is almost unheard of today. But God will, God stands to get a greater glory whenever need that we have is met, even though we're going through adverse times rather than if He just dumped bucket loads of money into our bank accounts. You see, God, 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 our, our task on this earth, our, our, our responsibility is, and our purpose is that we, the glory of God is demonstrated through us. I was reading this by a pastor named Tim Patrick. In this commentary, he said, a believer's purpose is to know God and to make Him known. You, you see, it's not, it's not only our purpose to know God as believers. You see, Pardon me if this bothers you, but we've got to get past this thinking, the only reason I want to get saved is to get to heaven. I don't want to die and go to hell. We need to get beyond that, church. We need to get beyond that. If my only purpose of being saved is so I don't have to go to hell, I have completely missed the mark and the cause of Jesus Christ. 
Because my purpose is not just, yes, thank God, I, I, thank God I'm saved and I won't go to hell. Thank God I'll go to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ has punched my ticket and given me entry into the portals of glory. Yes, thank God for that. But you know what? He saved me that I may testify of Him. He saved me that I may share His love and His grace and His mercy with somebody else. Listen. Hey, I, I, I understand how it works, especially more so now in the days of social media. Man, Walmart puts something good on sale, and the first thing we've already done is got out our phones, and we're tweeting it, and we're Snapchatting it, chatting it, and we're Instagramming it, and we are Facebooking it, and we are doing whatever else is out there now, and we're sending out a message. Man, y'all need to go over at Walmart. Y'all need to go to Sam Sam's has got gas for $3.50 a gallon. There would be more people going the wrong way in spite of those errors at Sam's that you could shake a stick at. Because we want to tell somebody about the good news Sam's has gas for $3.50 a gallon. The best news that we could ever give anyone is about the love the mercy and the salvation of Jesus Christ. And not, not, not so much as, as, as all of the other stuff that we can share in life and all the news that we can tell, but still tell the same old news, the same old message that is still good news, is still new news, is Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. He's coming back and those who have died in Him will rise first and those who are alive and remain will gather together with him to meet him in the air and when the next time that we come back to earth we're going to come back behind him I don't really know the fullness of the purpose that we'll come behind Jesus maybe it's just to watch him take care of business you know I don't I don't know what all that's going to be about but when we come back again we'll be coming back with him he'll be on that white stallion and we'll be behind him and we will inhabit the earth once again When He is our King, He is our President, He is ruling, and He is reigning. We must stay on task until that time. And verse 24 said, verse 24 of chapter 4, if you still have your Bibles there. He did all this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And that you might always fear the Lord, your God. But here's the problem. We know that Israel didn't stay on task. For if you go to the book of Amos, if you go to the book of Amos and you begin to read Amos chapter 4 and flip over a page or two into Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 4 verses 4 and Amos chapter 5 verse 5. You read what the prophet said. The prophet said, the word of speaking, the word of the Lord, go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. Burn leavened bread as a thank offering and brag about your free will offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the sovereign Lord. You see, by the time we get to, by the time, and and I actually, I did some research and I really couldn't locate what I felt was an accurate timeline to give you. But somewhere between Joshua chapter 4 
In Amos chapter 4, Israel had lost their passion for the one that had brought them across that river, took them out of their past, and had them rolling on. Somewhere along the way, they lost their passion. I read, I read about a group of churches in, when I, when I read Revelation, it's in some, most people refer them to the churches of Asia Minor. And I read about one of those churches in, in, in particular, and that church is a church called Laodicea. Unless you're my friend Dr. Connor, and he says Laodicea. Do you ever remember that? Love you, Dr. Connor. If you watch this, I highly respect you. That church of Laodicea is that depicts a people. It depicts a society of people, a generation of people that says, we're rich, we are increased with goods, and we don't have need of anything. The Lord brings some rebuke. He said, don't you realize that you're poor, wretched, blind, you're naked. You don't even know what bad shape you're in. Listen to me. I, I personally, I personally believe, I personally believe we are in an age or a dispensation of Laodicea. And I'm not talking about the world. Yes, certainly the world is. We're so, we're, the world is so engulfed. You want to know why all the corruption happens in these, from Washington DC all the way to the U- Ukraine? You know, you know why, and, and down south into, to Mexico City and, and all, you know why? It, it's all, it's over the, the love of money. It's all over greed. We're rich. We're increased with goods and we just really want more. And you don't have to have money or have riches to love them, by the way. But yes, we find a world that is engulfed with that. But we also see it. We all, I also look out and I perceive not just our congregation, but I'm, I'm speaking of the church world as a whole. I see a, I see a church that is driven by that same Ambition. The more toys we can have in our box, more prizes we get. The more cars I can have in my driveway, the more impressive I'm going to be to my. And we we go out and we we spend money and we buy stuff and, and we 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 spend money we don't have to impress people that don't really even care. You know, that's. And, and, and what we find is, is, is a, a people that has lost their passion. That's what happened to the Israelites when you read Amos chapter 4 and, and you begin to think about it. But he says, he said, go ahead and give your free will offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do. Wow. Gosh, I don't want an overtime. I'm sorry. The church has to be careful. That she hasn't lost her passion. I can't guard you. I can't guard your hearts. Yes, I can serve as a shepherd in this flock. I, 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 I serve as, you know, the, the shepherd that God has appointed for this season for this flock here. But yet, I can't, I can't necessarily guard every, every aspect of your life. You have to do that. You have to do that. You have to honor God. You have to be prepared for warfare. You have to be determined to stay on task. You see, what happened is Gilgal ended up not being just a place of rolling on, but what it intended for it to be a place of advancing, of rolling on, had because of the unbelief and the disobedience of the Israelites, Gilgal had turned into a place of self-centeredness. 
and was nothing more than just performing religious rituals. There's a commercial on TV that has a turn sort of like this with it. Israel departed from God. Don't be like Israel. If the church has ever pulled up her bootstraps, cinched up her backpack, and made sure they had all, all their provisions with them that they needed, make sure their guns, now I'm not talking necessarily about physical guns, but making sure their guns are locked and loaded, the bayonet is sharpened at the end of the, at the end of the rifle barrel. You get my drift. If the church has ever had a need of knowing all of that is ready to go, we're living in that hour. We're living in that hour. We're living in that time. Israel departed from God. God had took them to a place. He said, man, we're going to roll forward. I prepared some of you for warfare. We're going to roll into this thing. The land that I promised you is going to be yours. But you're, you're going to have to get in there and fight. You're going to have to keep your integrity with me. You're going to have to follow me. And it's all yours. But they chose not to maintain. They lost their passion. You and I need to have that passion. Now listen. I'm not suggesting we have to work for our salvation. Our salvation is freely given through Jesus Christ. And if you're in this room this morning and you're unsaved, that's how your salvation is going to come. It's only through faith in Christ. But here's the thing this morning I want to, I want to really put into your spirits before you leave this place. It starts with salvation. But we must press in. Paul said this. He said, I press toward. I press into the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. We must press in church. To me, this is probably one of the most exciting messages that I've brought forth in a long time. To me. It encourages me that God has prepared for us everything that we need. He said, man, preacher, you make it sound hard. No, it's not hard. It's not hard. We just gotta, we just go in with our hearts and our minds made up. I don't want to serve you. You know, we call him Lord and when you call, when you say Lord, that means that they have your total submission. You have your total servanthood. Sometimes we call Jesus Lord, but he's not really Lord. But Lord means you have my total servanthood. I'd like for you to bow your heads for just a moment. Heads bowed and I'm going to ask you to go ahead and close your eyes for just a second. I want to ask you this. If you're in this room today. Or if you're watching by live stream and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. That's only going to come through faith. And if you don't understand faith, I'm, I'm available and willing to do my absolute best to help you this morning to gain understanding. But if you're in this room and you've never been saved, or if you're watching and you've never been saved, even though I can't see you in your living room or your car or wherever you may be, I just want you to, if you're unsaved, I just want you to slip up your hand right now real quickly. I'm not going to embarrass you. Is there anybody in the room? 
I take it by that, everybody in this room, apparently you must you must already have a relationship with Jesus, and that's a good thing. But just in case, I want to pray with you, and I ask you to pray along with me. Fathers, we come to you today. I realize that we are all sinners, Lord. We're born into sin. All of us. All of us, Lord, have the need of salvation. So, Lord, today I admit that I have the need of I have a need of salvation, and I just pray today, Lord, and I accept through faith that Your blood paid the cost and the price, the penalty for my sin, because I'm guilty, and I accept that and I receive that. Today, I confess every sin before You, and I ask You to forgive me of my sins. And with the covering of your blood, I acknowledge that you are my Savior and you are my Lord. Help me not to be ashamed of you, but help me to proclaim your name and to proclaim my salvation and not to be ashamed. And I pray this in Jesus' name because your word, your word says, Lord, if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that I shall be saved. So I trust your word to be true and correct. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're in this room and you prayed a prayer like that and you're not, and you're not saved, or if you're watching and you're not saved, if you believe that sincerely in your heart, you have faith on that, then you're on the road. You've been saved. And God wants to grow you. But in this room this morning, since there was no indication that anybody needed or desired salvation, this is what I want to ask you today. How many want to finish this race and finish it well? Amen. Good. That's good. This is what I want you to do. If you want to finish this race and you want to finish it well, right now, I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to pray and ask God to help you meet to help you meet these three points. This criteria. I want you to ask God as we pray together. Will you pray with me? Father God. Come on, pray with me. Father God. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for my salvation. I thank you that my name is written in the book of life. And I'm on this journey till the end. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to make me strong in honoring you. I'm asking you to make me strong in preparation for warfare. I'm asking you to make me strong to stay on task And to finish my assignment until the very end. Lord, I'm dependent on your Holy Spirit. I'm dependent upon your Word. And with the Word and the Spirit, I will accomplish. I will complete. I will overcome. Because you are my strength. You are my power. And I worship you. In Jesus name.
Can you give him a hand clap of praise right now? Jesus is worthy. And he will oversee us today.